Can you imagine a worse scenario than like JP Morgan and fucking Wells Fargo have the majority of Bitcoin hash power? Like jump off a bridge at that point. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be <laughs> that, that is failure. There you go. We, yeah, we failed. That's, so, that's blowing it. Craig Wright is rolling in his future grave. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Adam Ruthless Levy, and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. This is our flagship Friday show, uh, December 13th, 2019, one of the last of the year. And I've got Kareem Baruke. What's up? How you doing? And Brent Philbin on the ones and twos. Hey, I'm on the two. It, wait, am I on both? Yes, it's, Brent the one on the two. Right? I gotta do intros more so Brent tanks uh, more often. Yeah, I never get you know it. I make it too easy. Yeah, I short circuited him. <laughs> so here at Crypto Basic Podcast, we like to review the weekly highlights of the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. And yeah, so Brent. What would you like to talk to us about with uh, the rapid fire? Yeah, we're, we're switching it up today. Uh, as the most rapid person at things that are done except for running, I will now handle this rapid fire section. So number one thing is Jack Dorsey opened a tweet thread for, uh, or sorry, started a tweet thread for trying to figure out open source social media standards. Brain, who's Jack Dorsey? Jack Dorsey, of course, is the founder of Square and also the founder of Twitter. So, or at CEO of Twitter. I don't know if he founded it, but um, yeah, he, he's yeah. the CEO. He runs Twitter. He founded Square, both of which I use in my everyday life. And he's talking about basically we've been having back and forth among all the social media platforms of what is censorship or what do you actually need to shut down. There's such a weird line, and uh, it's an interesting thread about how to handle that without like a person getting the power to do so. You know that we can all agree that there's a line where somebody saying that they should kill all the Jews is bad and we should, we all agree that saying, Hey, we, I love you is good. But as you get closer and closer to that line, what can you actually censor and what can't you? It's a, it's a difficult thing. So I, I didn't read the whole thread, but he's talking about like Wolfram alpha and stuff, all kinds of different algorithms. You can check it out in the show notes. If you want to learn more about what he's trying to accomplish with that. And he's also trying to hire some devs in the, the blockchain space uh, for this. So Yeah, if he's doing open source and he's trying to get transparency, blockchain is where it goes. And he loves Bitcoin. We know Jack loves Bitcoin. So I don't know that he will use Bitcoin as his solution, given that if it's not really great at doing anything that we just listed. listed. But all right, next up. BitMEX is the exchange that has all, was the original one that had all the leverage trading. They have been sued by a supposed seed investor of some kind. Uh, basically, this guy saying that he put in $30,000 to BitMEX, was supposed to get equity. His equity is supposed to be worth $50 million at this point. So, obviously, he's suing for $300 million. Sometimes you got a good, you got a six exit and you got a hundred exit sometimes. I mean, you know, that, that's otherwise, what, how do people know you're serious? Yeah. His I ROI mean, yeah. wasn't good enough already. So, he really <laughs> just had to, you know, up it. BitMEX obviously hasn't commented. I don't actually know anything about the story. I don't know if this guy really is owed the money or if it's just somebody, you know, trying to take a shot. You never know. So if we actually do get information on that, we'll keep you updated. Here we go. This is, this is Kareem. I know you're going to love this story. I know you're super interested in this. Charles Hoskinson Uh-oh. has decided that he, well, he did decide and then it changed his mind, but he was going to fight chico crypto what like legitimately they were going to schedule and promote an mma fight after they had some sort of disagreement on twitter and like chico threatened to fight him or something so charles was like okay let's fight let's do an mma fight wow. i'd like a year to get ready i am so they've conflicted. called it off since i'm so <laughs> conflicted about this wait I, who's chico I hate crypto it and I love again it. Chico Crypto is some douche in the crypto space. Like, he's completely useless. <laughs> I was literally uh, about to say, I don't know who it is, but it's clearly nobody. His name is Chico Crypto. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. some handle. He's a completely useless moron. I can understand why somebody would want to fight him. Uh, like, I get it. <laughs> he's, he's, but what is Charles doing? Like, yeah. he's just, 
Yeah. I give Charles a little bit of credit when he kind of gets pissy on Twitter and gets mad at people because, like, I would probably get mad at them too. But I'm not running, like, a big company where I'm not supposed to get mad at people for that. I don't know. But this seems like, really, dude? Like, you're going to – I understand he's like, oh, it's money for the kids. No. What it is is you, like, saying, okay, fine, I'll fight you. Like, you want to fight? Motherfucker, let's fight. You probably don't have to always challenge someone every time. Like, you know, you can let some things go. You probably should let most things go, almost all things go, especially as a figurehead of a company, even if it is in this like very new, undefined crypto space that really isn't that professional. Yeah. See, I'll tell you exactly why I was saying that I was conflicted. I 99, 98%, I just agree with you guys. I don't think that he should be engaging in this kind of stuff. You know, he's trying to bring crypto mainstream. He's going to for development contracts, all these things, like you said, a business, you know, it's a business. I guess maybe the poker world part of me with all the prop bets and side bets. <laughs> you know, like, listen, we've seen it. We've seen like famous big time players people yeah, and like, all the, or, or like successful players that are just like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll ha- get a year to train ourselves and then we'll ha- have a fight or we'll have yeah, a boxing. Jason Alvarado did that. Yeah, and it's like cool and it's kind of fun. And especially if they have a decent relationship, like if it's kind of like they want to fight, but also it's semi-friendly. So that's why... <laughs> Like, I don't totally write it off. And like, if that's not the kind of thing I would do, but mostly I just agree with you guys. You know, you got to make there sure there is something pure about that, that I do agree. Like the, the other day I got into is literally fantasy football that my uh, roommate kept challenging me on. He was like, your team sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm just like, all right, dude. My team is a hundred percent better than your. Like, let's just put money on it. Yes. Let's just like, like, like that is the way to end it. Like, and it's basically like sometimes, like, if this dude keeps talking shit to Charles Hoskinson, let's actually just fight. I will fight. I don't care. Uh, that said, when I'm talking to my roommate, it's just me versus him. I'm right. not broadcasting <laughs> it on Twitter, saying, "Hey, I'm gonna fight." So if, if he DMs Chico and is like, "Let's fight." Okay, but as a as a publicity stunt, it's just kind of whack. Exactly. It, it, that, you know, Adam, you really hit on it perfectly. That's exactly what I was trying to express. It's like from an individual level, I actually have a I have respect for the willingness to put your either mouth or your whatever where your mouth is, right? Like if some dude was trying to fight me, I'm not going to be like, "Yeah, let's go have an MMA fight." So somebody that responds like, "Yeah, let's <laughs> fucking do it." And people can watch. I'm like, "All right, bro. Good for you." But that's from like an individual perspective. But you're also the representative of a group, a community, a company. We're also in a space that is already not taken seriously, that's trying to break through. So you have to make certain sacrifices when it comes to your ego if you want to be in the position to lead this in a, in a wholesome manner and a productive manner. So that's, that's I agree with you completely. So he did do it in DMs, but of course they released it. Like he DM'd <laughs> a promoter and they had this whole thing like... Charles has an ability to make anything sound like he's doing the right thing. So he he did an AMA, like a 20-minute stream about this fight thing. And he's just like, look, this guy was acting like a fool. He started talking about fighting me. I thought it would be a great way to raise money for some charity. And he's like, you know what? It also gives me a uh, a goal. It gives me a year. I've, yeah. I'm out of shape. I want something to get me in shape. He, he like gave all these like, reasonable <laughs> reasons why he would ex- you know fight this idiot. So it's like, God damn it, Charles. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you played uh, the new Jackbox game, the push the button game? No, he would be the best at that. Anyway, it's like a, it's another social deception style game, but it's like with the Jackbox party pack. It's really good. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So the fight is off. They are not fighting. Oh my longer. God, Brent, you were claiming that this was going to be the rapidest, most rapid, rapid fire yet. And it's, it's ac- we're actually 10 minutes into the app already. Right. Well, I'm sorry that I short circuited you. I did not know that, you know, this was going to affect you in this way. I will try to be a little more, you know, <laughs> inclusive and PC in the future so you can handle everything. And uh, please, Brent, what would you like getting you back on track? What is the next uh, thing in the rapid fire that you would like to talk about? Uh, OK, now that now. That, yeah, now that I, I'm done being rudely interrupted about all these people with opinions about Charles. <laughs> Uh, in a very unripple move, as far as the way I perceive Ripple or XRP, they have released a digital marketplace for music with no fees, 
where the creator gets 100% of proceeds called X songs. So they, they've released it specifically only to grow adoption of XRP. They have no interest otherwise in the platform. And I'm all for artists getting more money on their songs because they don't get, you know, the biggest artists that, you know, the, the Taylor Swift of the world. Yeah, they get plenty of money, but the rest of them don't. Quick question is, are you able to use Ripple XRP for this or is this the company Ripple? It's XRP, so the way I understood it, I, I don't know if it's out of beta yet, but the the creators will get paid in XRP for their for their songs. Cool. Whatever the you will pay for it with XRP, and they will get paid in XRP. And there's probably a way that they can take payment with USD and just convert it. So, I mean, I know that's how that network works. With uh, they basically entirely built on atomic swap style stuff. So, interested to see how that works if it goes on. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll. Nah, I'm not going to buy a song. I'm not, I don't really care to support XRP, but it's nice of them to do that. Uh, Coinbase, their debit card has added a stable coin. So you can now spend your money on your debit card as if it were real dollars. Nice. This is a breakthrough. No, I, anyway, it's it's die that they added. Oh, well, that's cool. That is Heather. nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I left that as like a little bit of a reveal. I was impressed. I'm like, thank God somebody's doing this. This is great. Um, and also I watched a, and it, I, this is an aside, this is going to make the rapid fire even longer, but I watched a interview with Bill Gates in 1995 on the Letterman show. And it just kind of reminded me how far we still need to go with crypto and how far we've come with the internet and computers. So this is 1995. So we're talking about 26 years ago. I was six years old. No, no, no. 1995, I was six. So that's, it must have been like 24 years ago. Okay. Sorry. I'm doing gorilla math. Yeah. Anyway. So 24 years ago on Letterman, David Letterman said he didn't have a computer. Uh, so he's making fun of Bill Gates kind of. He's like, oh yeah, this computer thing. I don't even have one. So tell me what you about. nerd. And uh, and this is 95, so Windows 95 is out. So like we're we're well into computers, but but mass adoption is not a thing, not even close. So at the time, one of the things that had just happened on the internet was a baseball game was broadcast via audio live. And David Letterman looks at it and he's like, "Oh yeah, wow, big big accomplishment. Have you ever heard of radio?" <laughs> and he tries to like downplay it, and Bill Gates is like, "Well, sure, but." you can't really play that radio whenever you want. And he's like, yeah, have you ever heard of a tape recorder? <laughs> and, and it's funny when you watch it now, but you can see that people then were thinking the same thing. So if I'm telling you, Hey, you can spend something that is a copy of the U S dollar with a debit card. You're going to look at me like, what the fuck? I can do that anyway. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Why? Yeah. You, like why? But exactly. you don't understand the, the workings behind it of how that, is created in a decentralized fashion and you've created this uh, copy of the dollar with all these other moving parts that they haven't looked into. So, and how that could possibly lead to further adoption and more use in the future. So just a, just a thought. So that's, that's Coinbase adding that super happy to see that it's die and not tether tether needs to die. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, have you, you've seen that? um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's like a little video reel on YouTube somewhere that it's like, just clips yep. of all the morning shows and day shows. And it's like, so email, tell me what this is. And like the guy comes in, well, DeAndre, and they're like going over this whole process and they're looking at like, what? You just, and it's like, it's just an email, right? Like it's, yep. we, it's not even scratching the surface of what the internet is going to become. It's not social media, YouTube. No, no, no. It's just an email. And everybody's like mind blown and like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, just a just a little reminder, especially because there was, you know, on Reddit, there was this post that was like, ah, cryptos missed the boat and all this stuff. Guys, it, I, all this stuff is still here. All this stuff is exciting. Obviously, the price action has been less than exciting. I don't. I actually am in Kareem's boat. I don't even know what Bitcoin is today. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's also interesting, man, that this is one of the like the interesting thing with crypto is the fact that it's associated so directly with money. Like, you mm. know, it, it's not like we had a price of the internet or a price of social media for us to gauge like, oh, social media sucks now because like it went down. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. It's just so it's so weird, the investment dynamic. Like it creates new opportunities, but it also creates like a weird additional baggage that doesn't really track with the realities of the technology, right? Like just the development of new tools. 
Well, I think that that's just kind of, also, I think that's kind of how uh, maybe humans and or Americans are where you just, uh, yeah, I guess Americans aren't humans. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. I'm thinking out loud. Cool. So, uh, <laughs> Jesus. so I think that we take these technologies and then get extremely like we, someone goes too far with it always. No one can ever just have this and let it do exactly what it needs to do. They have to innovate. And then once they innovate, they start thinking of ways to exploit it. And that's an issue. And yeah, but, I think we just have to deal with that sometimes. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. But I mean, like that thrive for innovation is fine because it's what it creates new things. But what I'm saying is that the I, you couldn't put a price on the on the technology itself before. Like the internet never really had a price. Maybe we had ISP providers that would charge us for accessing the internet, but it's not like there was a floating like a go to coin market cap and see how much the internet is worth today or go to coin market cap and see how how popular our cell phones. Like the technology just kind of was, but with crypto, you know, you're like directly invested in the technology and it has a price action and I don't know that that has really existed before with the exception of stocks you know if you consider stock a technology like breaking down a company well this is why the ico craze was such an like a a crazy environment uh you know during that period of time because people were like wow i can literally just be an investor right Right. away right right you know and this is also why you know the sec or you know certain you know, organizations like that will take that very seriously because it's like, I mean, we have multiple in this episode talking about, you know, just ICO frauds or whatever, because that we're going to continue to see fallout. Yeah. That that is so enticing for the average person who just nine to five and get home. Like, wow, money going up. I can get out of this. You know, you would check your phone and you're up like 300 bucks and people are, what do you do? Oh, you know, I'm just a little trade, a little crypto. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's just a genius. (laughs) You put money in this app and then a week later you have more money. (laughs) Anyway. Crazy. All right. Finally, we're coming to the end of the rapid fire section here. Honestly, this one probably shouldn't, you know what? Uh, I'm going to audible out of this one being rapid fire. This is going to become, a bullish or bullshit real quick. Bullish or bullshit. Craig Wright tries to avoid paying $658,000 in legal fees. Uh, bullish. Anything scummy about Craig Wright is true. However, I cheated. I, I happen to know that this story is true. And sadly, he has a point. But Yeah, that's that's what I was... The, the end result is... It's true. He is trying to rig a lot of them. But it looks like he's right. Like, as much as I don't want to say that Craig Wright should ever get anything, mm-hmm. basically, the lawyers against him are saying that they're... They're like brand new lawyers and they're like, yeah, you have to pay us like $650 an hour for like 10 times the amount of hours that we should have charged for what we did. Mm. So uh, he's probably going to get out of a lot of these legal. But also, if not all of them. But also, just to be clear, like the judge ruled against them and the other guy, Klein, is supposed to get half of all this Bitcoin. But everybody's telling him like, dude, you realize Craig Wright doesn't have all that Bitcoin, right? He's full of shit. So they were trying to settle out of court for just the legal fees. So I think they were trying to probably inflate the legal fees to make up for the fact that they didn't right. really win anything on the settlement. Yeah. Oh, also, real quick before we wrap up, I saw uh, two other interesting tidbits. Uh, Binance US has added Icon and then Engine as well. Um, so you can; those are two coins that have now since been added since the initial like twenty four thirty two. And then also, I think Tron is either no. bought. Or no. uh, tried to buy Steam it, which is what? yeah. Uh, it's just like I, I like like now that we're you know I, I completely forgot like oh god that was definitely an interesting uh, little tidbit that kind of got swept on the rug. What but. a useless platform that it it seemed like it was going to be so good, but they just messed that algorithm up so much. Remember when Ryan Doubt was posting like pictures of his milkshakes and getting like six hundred dollars? Steam it was great four years ago. He, he yeah. kept, yeah, he kept telling me you got to get on there, you got to do it, and blah blah. blah. And like, it, it seems cool. It was a cool idea. It was one of the first use cases, to be honest. It's just it's steam. It, steam. It was MySpace. <laughs> yes, yeah. we just don't have a Facebook yet because Dan Larimer keeps making MySpaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then quitting on them. All right, all right. 
Uh, that's enough of the that, 21 minutes. That's a record for the rapid fire section. Interesting uh, talk, though. You guys did great. I'm proud of you. I am now the the record holder for the rapid fire as the best <laughs> rapid fire <laughs> that has ever been. So let's take an ad from Wild Foods. Guys, guess what? Wild Foods still the sponsor of this episode and this podcast. And they are running $1 shipping on everything all month of December. If you order in like a few days, I think the 18th is the cutoff for getting stuff for Christmas. Don't quote me on that, but they only ship to the U.S. Sorry, non-U.S. listeners. But if you go on there, in addition to that dollar shipping, you can get 12% off your order with the code CryptoBasic12. You can get coffee. You can get tea. You can get cocoa butter to put in your coffee. And you can also order fish oil and all kinds of other cool supplements and or real foods. Brian, what's your favorite wild foods product? My favorite Wild Foods product is probably the Cocotropic because it like gives me those mushrooms and turmerics and it tastes good in the coffee. So I can't really drink it all the time because it would break the fast. So if I have a coffee in the middle of the day, the Cocotropic gets added with a little bit of cocoa butter as like a butter coffee setup and there's no sugar in it, but it tastes like a mocha. Mm. The Cocotropic is great. I, I have it a lot. And I don't really, I think you may, I'd like to see some testing on it, but I feel like you can put a little bit in there and still not break your fast. But it's probably close. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm always super over, I'm overly careful with fasting. Colin was telling me you can put fat in anything and it doesn't really matter if it's pure fat for your fast, but I don't know. I, I disagree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, I keep it at complete zero calories. Any calories, yeah, any calories kickstarts the benefit. Even I, not calories, even just drinking coffee kickstarts certain metabolic processes and calories definitely yeah. do. Water faster, definitely. You know, but all right. So, if anybody wants to know what the hell fasting is or any of this that we were just talking about, you can go check out the ancestral mind. It's another podcast that, that I'm a host of, theancestralmind.com, and we talk about that crap on there. So, uh, well in depth, and mostly it's Colin. I, he talks a lot, and I don't talk much. So, all right. So, the uh, I made a guest appearance one time. That was fun. Oh, yeah. You were on. Yeah. Kareem, we talked about that on here when, we, when you were on there. Yeah. Kareem talked about uh, psychedelics on the ancestral mind. So if you ever want to hear Kareem talk about that, go on over you there. Don't. I think it was episode 16. Whoa, that's specific. Are mushrooms on the blockchain yet? Have they figured that out? No. <laughs> uh, mushrooms uh, are dude, the I'm blockchain. Still, I have reached out to at least 20 different companies that tell me that they do supply chain on the blockchain, and nobody can give me a damn supplier. If I can find anything, any food-related product that I can buy on the blockchain, I am going to start a company, and I'm going to start selling the damn thing, but I can't get... They have, all these people have these solutions. Nobody's using it. It's tilting. Anyway. All right. Adam. Can you tell us about the Matic? Uh, actually, yes, I can. And funny enough, when I first tagged in uh, for Mike in March of this year, uh, one of the first projects that I kind of did a little research on was Matic and, you know, thought about doing a one-on-one for it. Uh, but ultimately, like, it just, I didn't think it was like that big of a coin and oh i have that over here on yeah the it's still it's still in the our little like uh outline uh notion whatever we use so yeah i think on tuesday or monday there was a massive dump with uh the coin uh matic coin and basically it rose 180 percent in two weeks and then shed 70% of its value in minutes on Tuesday. Hmm. And it was literally... Sounds like, like a pump and dump. Yeah, it was literally maybe 15 minutes. Uh, so I guess actually the next point, some a trader pointed out holders of the coin basically became 1% poorer every 15 seconds for 30 plus minutes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to kind of let that simmer a little bit. Um, uh, 30 seconds here or 15 seconds here is a year up there. Inflation is rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black hole. So yep. a little bit of background. Matic was uh, one of Binance's IEOs, which is uh, we've talked about before. And that is an initial exchange offering. I think the I is initial still, right? Or. Um, I think so. Yeah. So, and um, so you could, you could buy it through Binance and then CZ started even saying, like, hey, maybe exchanges should interfere in situations like this in the future. And that seems kind of, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think it's not really a free market then. 
that's weird because he's talking out of both sides of his mouth there. He's saying that it wasn't the Matic team causing a problem, and at the same time, he's saying that he should be interfering. Yeah, I don't really know. It's kind of like a a new idea to me. I was curious what you guys thought of that, what he's saying. But uh, I guess before we get to this discussion, let me just uh, talk about how the so the the, the Matic CEO he tweet COO. He tweeted out that he woke up to this nightmare and claiming it had nothing to do with them. Then he posted a detail. He said he was going to post a detailed analysis and will come out stronger than ever with a, (laughs) which is like he's Indian. So that probably got lost in translation for that kind of phrasing. And yeah, there was speculation from some, some people on Twitter and other places that it was a pump and dump. And then, uh, CZ came out pretty quickly and and said that it was not a pump and dump and it was just you know sometimes the bottom falls out. You ever play that game Kerplunk? Where <laughs> I, just, I, I know it's an old I reference. Basically, it's it's like it's like this like kind of a think of it as if they ma- they simulated ice in a game. It's not it's not cold, but it's like no, that's don't break the ice. Oh, don't what. Uh, Kerplunk's the one with the sticks. Oh, you, well, might you have right. to like pull. Uh, well, you have anyway, the marbles on the sticks. How do you Basically, guys? Yeah, go ahead. How do you guys feel about the idea of the exchange interfering there, or more more specifically, like, isn't there a version of that in major stock exchanges already? Like, aren't there? Don't certain? Yeah, they shut it. They shut down trading if there's something like this yeah. going on at a normal New York stock exchange. Something happening like this. Um, and it's a much smaller margin than anything that we see in crypto that would trigger it. Uh, things will get will get turned off, and in other countries, even they'll shut down the entire market if something happens like this. So, what do I think about it? I don't. It's against the kind of free market spirit of crypto, but at the same time, like so many people get wrecked in these situations. CZ's coming out and saying it wasn't the team. Okay, great. So maybe he knows what the team's general wallets are. He has no real way of knowing it's not the team. So, you know, it's if they were using other wallets or something like that, it could easily be them. Uh, I guess if they've all KYC'd for that value, then maybe he does know it's not them. I don't know. But still, there is a pump and dump here. So it either was an organic pump and dump, which is pretty rare for it to be that quick and not be something that was organized. It would It would have to be kind of this coincidence of a bunch of different people doing the same thing at the same time was it malfeasance on the team's part maybe not was it something that Binance did wrong probably not does he think that maybe that he should have done something about it okay maybe maybe they're hoping that they have coins that are good enough now they don't have to do this but yeah it would be weird because if it was shut down trading shut down on Binance are all the other exchanges doing the same thing it's not like in the U.S. If Apple tanks 10% and the New York Stock Exchange says, whoa, they're killer, and they shut it down, I can't take my Apple stock and, and then you go just over switch it cracking. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? This also reminds me of, Brent. Uh, remember that article that you shared? I mean, this must have been well over a year ago. But you once shared like a post that you found on Reddit. And it was breaking down how small – like what a small amount of price action – like what a small amount of actual trading and actual money can significantly affect the price, right? Like you see, oh, the price dropped 40%. So in your mind, you're like, there must've been all of this, but it's like, no, very small amount of transactions can actually change the price drastically. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're doing it with, with conviction. So yeah, anytime this happens, I think it's bad for the space because what, what happens? This gets spread as a pump and dump. I haven't seen anything about Matic that gives me a red flag that this is something wrong with the project. A lot of times the project can't do anything about the a pump and dump group targeting them. They're just too small to have any kind of resistance to something like that. But uh, yep, it's it's not good. So yeah, maybe maybe Binance does end up stepping in in this case, but I don't know that it does anything. I think it just yeah. It, it just means it they're going to go do it somewhere store, else. Right? Like, yeah. create a weird... Uh, yeah. And the uh, l- last thing I'll say, too, about this, guys, is this is not really just about our space, right? Like, there is not... And not even just stocks, right? There's pump and dumps with stocks or manipulation or whatever. But even currencies. Like, are, aren't there some famous individuals who... 
I forget his name. What's the the billionaire that like conservatives hate? Uh, Soros. Yes, yeah, or... Soros. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah the, the billionaire. Yeah, yeah, I believe like Soros made a ton of money by manipulating international currencies and basically tanking a currency and betting against it. And like, this is essentially a form of that at the largest possible scale, and people are still doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, also sometimes. You know, they're, they're, apparently this was heavily shilled over a lot of forums and, and other places for a while. And if you have some new investors who maybe like kind of like they just reach a point where the community is like, oh, God, it started, you know, someone made a big sell. And then all of a sudden, like, all right, got to get out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it would like if someone makes a huge sell initially, it was just like, all right, like I earned my money from you know, investing in this ICO, then it, it can really trigger this. But I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to ever really know. Yeah. And who knows what's automated, right? Like just stop lot, like orders yeah. that are just getting automatically fulfilled once a massive amount of, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, that's really it on Matic. And then uh, Kareem, you want to talk to us about uh, some banks? Uh, yes. So, um, this was not a huge story, but, uh, ING, which is one of the major Dutch banks has recently announced that they're going to launch a cryptocurrency custody program for their customers that is regulated. So essentially, uh, we're starting to see institutions stepping in and offering to hold crypto for people and not just like their own specific crypto, but just in general, like hold your Bitcoin or whatever. Uh, This is according to a Reuters report that came out recently. And uh, they say that this is not going to be the only uh, cryptocurrency service that they're launching, that they're going to have a bunch of other initiatives. And of course, this comes at the heels. We reported a couple of months ago, or maybe a month ago, about Fidelity. Remember, they launched their custody program. That was more aimed at investors. So anyway, just worth mentioning because we've talked a lot about this and uh you know Brent you mentioned before when we had a story about all that money that got stolen from this guy you know it was a lot of money and he was targeted but the interesting thing about having a bank do it is that even if they don't have proper uh security let's say depending on the liability that they're willing to take on it's almost irrelevant right like if if ING says to you Hey Brent, I'll hold your Bitcoin, and whether it's federally insured or not, or whether it gets stolen, it doesn't matter. Like I owe you this much, regardless of what happens, we are going to make do for that amount of Bitcoin. Uh, then I think that that's the kind of security or lowered risk that a lot of older investors uh, would need in order to start kind of getting their feet wet. Yeah, well, so what? What a massive crypto anarchist is going to say in response to that is. That's exactly why we created cryptocurrency. We don't want that to happen. That's terrible. That's a bank. You're trusting a bank. Mm-hmm. I am totally okay in a world where some, even the greatest percentage of people that are using cryptocurrency are trusting banks. Be As long as I have the option to not trust them and I still have the option to spend my money. Bingo. If they want to trust a bank, that's okay. I'm all right with them doing that. Bingo. And it helps adoption. I do believe that it, you're, when maybe two years ago, when we were, you know, once again, the ICO craze and it was very tribalistic and everyone's just thinking, hey, you know, we're going to disrupt the banks and it's just going to be, you know, like this is the, the future and blah, blah. And it is the future and it may disrupt the banks one day, but we are by no means there for a long period of time. And the best way to get adoption is if banks can somehow get in on this as well. Even if a bank's holding it, we can see their cold wallet. Yeah. Like as long as they show that there's funds there, then you don't have to be as tr- like we know there's funds in Binance. Like we can see them, so it's, it's not transparency. as scary. Yeah. yeah, and like and like Brent said, I don't want us to also fall for the trap of because we had a goal, then only everything that adheres to our specific goal is acceptable, right? Like. Even if Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was created to liberate ourselves from middlemen, it doesn't mean that they have to destroy every middleman in the planet. It just means that it has to give us the opportunity, the ability, the tools to exist without the middleman, to not have to rely on the middleman. But if somebody else, for whatever reason, whatever incentive profile they have, if they want a middleman and want to rely on the middleman, 
that's totally fine. And it's not antithetical to anything, right? Like new things can exist within, within previous social structures. Yep. I, yep. I agree a hundred percent. So banks getting involved is not bad. It's neutral to positive and adoption is good. So I'm, I'm totally fine. I agree that we should fight to make sure they don't have major control. Right. Which is why, like, we Mm kind of don't want Libra to succeed that much. I get that. Like, right. Yeah, I don't want I don't want fidelity having the ability to affect whether a Bitcoin improvement protocol is put in place. Correct. I, exactly. Can you imagine a worse scenario than like JP Morgan and fucking Wells Fargo have the majority of Bitcoin hash power? Like jump off a bridge at that point. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be <laughs> that, that is failure. There you go. We yeah, we failed. That's, that's, that's blowing it. Greg Wright is rolling in his future grave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he successfully convinced the world that he's not Satoshi, even though he is, so he can get out of legal fees. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a genius, by the way, playing this whole. He's like, all right, how am I going to be able to use all these? Because he's oh, just pretending to be a moron. I got to make sure that people think I'm the only person that can't be Satoshi. That way, <laughs> success. <sighs> Good old Craig Wright. How does it always come back to? All him? right, I'm actually really interested on this one, Brent. You have an update on ethereum upgrading their protocol i believe i'm actually not super up to date on this can you break this down for us all right so ethereum is still on its way to 2.0 they are not there yet 2.0 is when ethereum is going to change from that proof of work algorithm to that proof of stake algorithm now i don't know the ins and outs of how that's going to happen but this is a step in that direction this is called istanbul they just did it they just implemented it It as a package of seven ethereum improvement protocols that uh, came together. The first one just listed all the other ones, so it's really six. But uh, basically, here's what they do and what's changing with Ethereum going forward. Number one, the way they're storing data is changing to make smart contracts uh, cheaper and easier to execute. So you can do more computations for the same price on the Ethereum virtual machine. Uh, One will change the pricing of some transactions to reduce spam attacks. Now, I don't know what those are, but my guess is there are some transactions that are too cheap that cause spamming in the network so that they're raising the prices on those. Uh, there are two protocols. These are the most interesting, and this is the biggest part of the whole thing to me. It, there are two protocols that are allowing use of Snark and Stark technology, which is the zero-knowledge proof tech coming to Ethereum. So if you listen to our 101s on Zcash or Zen, zero-knowledge proofs are basically one of the ways that privacy chains can exist and one of the ways that they're getting it right, assuming you trust this trusted setup from back in the day, which everyone seems to do. So that would make the there be a possibility of using Ethereum in a private way, which is not possible right now. So uh, it also, the next one, is going to allow there to be atomic swaps between the Ethereum chain and the Zcash chain. And Zcash is the is one of the main chains that's working off of ZK Snarks. So what's important here is, and and I'm I'm not 100 sure, but I suspect when when Ethereum goes full proof of work, they might do something like Komodo, where they back up to a proof of, or full proof of stake. They might back up to a proof of work chain, and it may be that they're thinking that backing up to a, the Zcash chain is going to be helpful. So or maybe backing up to both Zcash and Bitcoin may be helpful, and they want the ability to do that i'm not sure because i'm not a developer but if i'm reading the writing in between what i'm looking at here it makes sense to me that they would want some sort of interoperability between the chains so uh, an atomic swap uh, the quick version is that it would allow you to via a transaction and not via a middleman change your ethereum for zcash in a very complicated way but it can be done uh and also there is a there's mention over this of 3,000 transactions per second. Some of the marketing materials, or I guess you can call them that, but the the Ethereum developers that are talking about this are saying that's higher than Visa, (laughs) which is true. I I just want to put this caveat out there. When they say 3,000 transactions per second is higher than Visa, that's great. How many transactions do you think your computer does in a second? That's the problem because Ethereum is trying to be a virtual machine. So the 3,000 transactions per second is still slow as shit for a computer. So, yeah, if it was being used strictly as money and we weren't doing smart contracts and all that, it would be amazing. 
Uh, it'd be along the lines of like a nano speed or whatever. But I just want to say a little bit of a caveat there to the 3,000 transactions per second. And that's now. That's not even the proof of work or a proof of stake. God damn, I keep getting those backwards. Hmm. So we're not at 2.0 yet. There's going to be one more major update before 2.0. It's called Berlin. And then 2.0 will be merged into the one point, whatever we end up on Ethereum chain right. uh, sometime next year. But we've been talking about Ethereum 2.0 since we started the damn podcast. Do you so know, this is going to sound pretty silly, but do you know if these are steps towards Casper or if Casper was put aside or if it never happened or if it happened, but it just didn't include stake? I think Casper and 2.0 are interchangeable. I'm not actually sure. Okay. I don't know if they changed. Okay, it. okay. So I think that those are synonyms. Any, any idea when the uh, 2.0 is going to be unleashed. Yeah, any minute now this for the last five years. Next year. But they've been saying forever, for years yeah. that this is going to happen. Yeah. And, and I'm not even faulting them for that because you don't want it to be wrong. You do not want to mess with with cryptocurrency number two and be wrong. Yeah. And, w- so, and look, one thing to remember is once, uh, once a cryptocurrency has been launched into the wild, it's kind of tough to compare it to something that's in development, right? So like, I'm for example, I'm a fan of Cardano, right? But... They're getting to work basically. Everything's still in house. So comparing their progress to Ethereum, which is already operational, massive everywhere, uh, decentralized, like it's just much tougher. It's going to move slower. That's part of the that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll keep you updated when it goes. But the biggest takeaway from that is privacy being an available function on Ethereum, not the default. But it, I, I prefer privacy by default because then. In theory, if you are opting for privacy, maybe that's a red flag to to a law enforcement agency or whatever. But some privacy is better than no privacy. So I'm happy with it. And it would allow for things like ontology style uh, identity verifications on chain that would not end up giving out that information, which is always something I've been super interested in. Like, I would really like to know that when I'm reading a Reddit comment, it is not part of a fucking troll factory or somebody's campaign or whatever changing the narrative that they wanted yeah that's like the dream dude that's like if we can if we can fix anonymity on the internet not as in like i want to know who you are but just confirming that you're a real person and you're a consistent identity and that's it that's all like what a dream there just to open up discussion Yeah, just if you ever want to see how bad this really is did you see that one post in uh there was a, a politics post on reddit where all the bots were replying to the wrong article. Oh, no. Wow. So I don't remember the specifics of what the article was, but it was like it was it was politically motivated. So uh, one of the things that the these troll farms or whatever you want to call them are doing is just trying to kind of sow discord and, and separation. Right. So they'll do it on the right and they'll do it on the left. Mm. So it was like a it was a thing. And then they were talking about a completely different person than the article was about. I'll show Kareem. You're gonna love it when I show it to you. I just wish I could remember who it was. I don't. Re- I don't remember if the trolls were left or right in this instance. I don't think they really care. Yeah. I think they just want to be on whatever the opposite of the echo chamber that they're in is, so that they can get people mad at each yep. other. All right. That's enough of the U.S. talk and, and talking about Istanbul and Berlin. Kareem, <laughs> let's go crypto around the world. <laughs> Uh, we had a story a couple of weeks ago, guys. Maybe last week, maybe three weeks ago. But we talked talked about India, remember? And we were With like, Binance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, didn't they ban or something? So a little follow up on that story. Uh, there was a recent monetary conference with the Reserve Bank of India, which we're going to call RBI, uh, and they basically reiterated their stance that they want to ban cryptocurrency in India. According to the governor of the central bank there, which is Shakti, wait, hold on a second, Shaktikanta Das, I think. Perfect. <laughs> the generator Brahman could tell, could tell us later how much we messed up. Um, but he basically said that their position is issuing a currency is a sovereign mandate, and they don't want private companies to have the right to issue that. Now, I actually, what's interesting here is like. I don't care so much what your opinion is on private companies. I'm a little more interested in how you feel about public blockchains, but that's another story. And a few months ago, they had a similar thing like Black Friday here, uh, Brent, where they just told all of their banks, 
and all of their financial institutions, anybody who's regulated by us, you can't have any clients, any customers, you can't have any relationship with anybody that's engaging in cryptocurrency. So the answer to our previous question is, yes, there is an attempt to go for a full out ban on cryptocurrency in India. We should note, however, that they have internal processes just like we do. And there are companies and entities trying to fight this uh, through the Supreme Court, you know, trying to say that maybe this is unconstitutional. I'm sure there's also internal lobbying. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, they were pretty strict. They gave the banks and everybody three months to settle all of their accounts with any crypto-related entities and then just close it off. So their current intentions seem to be pretty negative. Um, they did say that they're exploring the possibility of having some kind of digital currency for India. But of course, this would be developed and launched by the central bank. The Federal Reserve has also... For India, by India. For India, by India. The Federal Reserve has also talked about this. You know, I know the Chinese uh, are also planning on doing something like this. So we're definitely getting to those chapters, but it's going to be a little bit further down the road. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on, guys. You know, but so far, from a regulatory perspective, things don't look great in India. However, my guess is with the size of India and how rural it is, it would be interesting, even if they do try to ban it, it would be interesting to see if public blockchains can kind of make their way into the society. And they're so tough to regulate and stuff anyway. I'm sure India has plenty of problems with law enforcement. So we'll see. This kind of seems like uh, India. Uh, this feels like China a few years ago where they're like, we're banning. Oh, we're not. We're banning. Oh, we're not. And it's like, OK. I mean, India is catching up now a little bit and they're, they're starting their cycle. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say is I think, I think that, I mean, India's going to move much more like we are though, you know, where like, even if the government wants to do something, it might be more difficult to implement and execute on. And they're so big. And, you know, whereas like China, the scary thing about China is like, they could just switch their mind tomorrow and they're basically enforcing it next week. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So anyway, time to move on to Brent's favorite section. That's a scam. No, 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 no. That's a scam. Yes, that is a scam. Damn, we got a we got a few scams today. So, let's start with number 1. The SEC charged the CEO of the very popular cryptocurrency Shopping. Never heard of him, but mm-hmm. apparently they raised 42 million dollars, so go figure. Uh with fraud over an unregistered securities offering. So let's talk about this particular scammer. His name is Iran Eyal, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. And he started a company. The the idea of this like shopping thing was that you could take your information to every retailer and you wouldn't have to enter it again and create a new account. So you wouldn't have to have 50,000 accounts across the internet. Actually, like a problem that could be solved. That would be great. I would love to not have to make an account on Walmart and on every... Shop uh, Office Max, Alamo Draft House, whatever. Like I have to have an account everywhere in order to do anything, and I know they're not all being careful with mm-hmm. my information. Yeah, so it sucks. I would love that. Uh, there was a the, the the guy that invented the internet uh, uh, or whatever. Al the, Gore. The, uh, no, that uh, the other one. <laughs> the guy with uh, he was coming up with Al Gore did not that. invent the internet. People, we're just kidding. The British guy. Uh, anyway, Wait, it, was it how? No. That's I'm thinking of the Bitcoin guy. All right, continue. So anyway, they took $42 million in investment. And of course, they like all ICOs, they got to work on the stuff really quickly and <laughs> started to put out betas and everything. No, they didn't fucking do anything. They did nothing. They didn't build anything at all. What they did do is the C- I know I was going to say this in the end, but I'm just going to say it now. The CEO or this guy, Eyal, uh, took $500,000 worth of the funds and used it for himself. That's pretty much all they did as far as like what they were doing is spending money and stuff. Uh, the categories for what he used it for was rent, shopping, entertainment, expenses, and a dating service. <laughs> so, Seeking arrangements. I don't know what this dude was doing. Oh, but my God. Yeah, he was. Tinder's free, bro. Tinder's free. He's up here. Yeah, he's up here uh, being a sugar daddy or something. Wow. So, you know. like. If rent was expensive, let's say 5K a month, that's only 60K. Then shopping, what, are you going to spend another uh, 50K on stuff? Then entertainment, maybe that's 100K. So that's 200K right there. And that leaves what, what expenses. 
That's like yeah. So I mean, man, Listen, be my proper- If I'm going shopping with somebody else's money, I can spend a lot of it. Trust me. Yeah. There's a fifty-two thousand dollar Mac computer now. Okay. So like, there's, it's it's easy to it's easy to spend this. Hmm. Anyway, so what are some of the things that he did? He listed that he had partnerships with multiple retailers uh, in the ICO. They had partnerships with none. They also listed that there was an advisory role with a prominent Silicon Valley blockchain entrepreneur. They have no advisor that could fill that uh, specific <laughs> quote. Um, and I'm not really sure how this works, but this guy got actually a key, uh, he got found guilty of another scam before this happened. In 2017, the New York Attorney General had uh, convicted him on a, a previous company that he ran called Spring Leap, and he defrauded the investors of Spring, Spring Leap of $600,000. Uh, he has to pay that back in the form of $125,000 in restitution and $475,000 in judgments. That equals six hundred dollars so I don't know. like Maybe there's some sort of difference in like what he can claim bankruptcy for and what he can't, and that's why that's split up differently. And apparently they've seized $450,000 worth of an undisclosed type of cryptocurrency. Hopefully it's not his ICO funds because they're going to be worth dog shit. Um, they, uh, the, the SEC lawsuit is significantly more money. It's $42 million that they're suing. And we'll see how that ends up playing out. Looks like he's textbook open and shut, unregistered security scam. They have also filed for an injunction to make sure he can never be an officer of a company ever again. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to say, I'm glad to hear that last part because you know how like <laughs> sex offenders have to like get on a list or whatever. And I guess if you go live somewhere or something, you got like, you have to go door to door and tell yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, you have to like, how does that not happen for this kind of stuff? Like, hey, if yeah. you're a known scammer and you got convicted for scamming, you that's it. You go on a list and anytime that you do any kind of investor funding, you have to disclose it. Otherwise, you go right or to a jail. job right to jail. where you have a management role. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of management role, like anything, basically. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, that would certainly be helpful for some people getting less scammed. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It, it, you can scam people out of half a million dollars and then go run a commercial real estate firm in South Florida. And it's fine. You can you just be- change your last name to your or change your first name to like your real first name and you don't call yourself Sandy anymore. Um, what about I mean, the guy from Firefest? So- he he was scamming with the credit cards, and then he got to do Firefest as a scam. And then as soon as he got out, he was like, "Hey, let's do another scam with sports seats." Yep. We should. Uh, I mean, we should cut this guy some slack. I mean, he did list the things <laughs> he was going to. He did with the money. That's like, true. Yeah, he was, he was upfront about it. He's he like, right, guys, look, I stole it. I needed a prostitute. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, honesty to some level. He was like, yeah, need to go and seeking arrangements, and then I need to buy her purses. And that's this where the shopping went, and then 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 there were a lot of expenses for food and stuff that, and then I had to pay for her rent as well. And See, like, this okay. is why we need a Justin Sun supporter on on the show to give us some perspective. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is important. Uh, you know, sometimes we forget what a real scammer can think. Oh, and you're right. We need to be easier on this man. So, Kareem, let's go from unregistered securities to Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I don't want to one up you, but my story is just better in every sense of the word. More money. I bet there's no prostitution story. Yeah, that's true. That, well, it wasn't specifically mentioned. Well, I'm gonna do my own story hey, with hey, blackjack and hey, listen. <laughs> it could have been a matchmaking service. It could have been plenty of fish. You know, premium. We yeah. don't know. We can't. Well, there, it, was, it was a prostitution. There's service. listen. There's actually definitely plenty of fish in my story. Like a lot of oh. fish. Oh, you get it. All right. Just so you guys know, in uh, in poker, a fish is uh, like the target, the bad players. Uh, anyway, so guys, this story comes to us from the beautiful cultural state of New Jersey. So the hmm. district. Uh, the Department of Justice, the U.S. Attorney's Office, has arrested three men and charged five total on a $722 million cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme. $722 yeah, million. Dollars, that's a lot of money. 
If you spent a million dollars a year, it would take you 722 years to spend $722 million. That's how much money it is, guys. <laughs> was, that, was that stat from the guy, same guy who tweeted about Matic? No, no, I just did that math in my head right now. I just really did like wow. that. <laughs> so <laughs> these guys defrauded investors. Um, essentially, what they were pretending to do was they were asking for investments for a crypto mining operation. They were telling people that they were going to buy equipment uh, to mine Bitcoin and essentially they would be paid out you know, over time as they're mining more stuff. Um, privately, from the text messages and emails that have been uncovered, these guys had no shame. They were privately calling their customers sheep and uh, idiots. The name of the network was called the Big Club Network, right? Big Club. And they Whoa. were telling investors that they were the most transparent company in the history of the world. Now, I know what you're <laughs> thinking, Brent. No, Donald Trump was not part of the marketing department. They were literally telling people that it was too big to fail, the most transparent company in the history of the world. I mean, guys, you know, we always talk about red flags on the show. If anybody <laughs> tells you they're the most transparent company in the history of the world, you know, like anyway. The, the, yeah, that's the thing about transparency. You don't have to tell people you're transparent. Yeah, or you're a little it's more famous. You can literally see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus. So specifically, and this is the sad part. How did they come up with $722 million? They apparently got thousands of investors thousands. And these, this team was spread out. One of the individuals was arrested in Germany, another one in Colorado, the other one in Florida, the other one in California. But, you know... The, Ooh, I got some ideas on who it could have been in Florida. <laughs> the arms of the U.S. Justice Department do extend pretty deeply. And according to the indictment, the club has been operating since October of 2014, up until this month. <laughs> so... Jeez. Yeah, literally, they've been defrauding until just now. So how did they do it? Well, for starters, one of the questions is, why would people invest in uh, this mining operation, right? Mining is competitive. Well, if you're asking yourself that question, you're using too much logic. They just lied. They lied about the numbers. They created false numbers. They were showing people false profits, and they would just be like, you know, you can make uh, so much money, right? To give you an idea of the internal conversations and how kind of how little they cared about the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's say how brazen they were. In February of 2015, the guy that seems to be the lead scammer, Mr. Goetche, directed one of his conspirator conspirators to bump up the daily mining earnings starting today by 60%. So in 2015, he's just like, you know, I need some extra money. So let's just tell people we're making 60% more money. <laughs> And and the guy who he's commanding to change the numbers responds to him at the time, this is not sustainable. This is like a Ponzi scheme and a fast cash out Ponzi. But sure. <laughs> uh, you know what? This makes us look a little bit too Ponzi-ish. Hey, you're the boss. <laughs> uh, then in January of... Um, 2017, a couple of years later, they were just like, okay, now drop the earnings so that he can retire. Um, the comments, like I said, they were, they were, there's one of the messages from the main guy to somebody else saying, we are building this whole model on the backs of idiots. So, wow. so straight up, they have no illusion about what they're doing. It's just taking advantage of people who haven't developed their skeptical tools, right? Well, Cream, as you know, it is immoral to let a sucker keep you funny. <laughs> and how much were they promising? Well, according to some of their promotional material, they were telling investors that an investment of $3,599 conservatively, this is a conservative estimate, will yield about 250000 over three years. <laughs> <laughs> So the old uh, 10, fold, 20, 30, many fold, many fold, <laughs> right? Uh, like 70. You know what actually would have yielded that much money if they invested in it? <laughs> if you bought $3,500 worth of Bitcoin in 2014, I bet you have $250,000 now. Well, I don't know about that. That sounds a little high, but maybe you're right. Um, <clears throat> that was like $100 back then. In, in 2015, it was? 2014. That's Oof. when they started. Then you're right. Wow. All right, and here's a big shocker. They never bought any 
mining equipment. Oh, there was whoa, never wow. even a, a modicum of pretending that they were mining Bitcoin, just full on crypto scam. Anyway, so no love lost. I'm glad these people got arrested. Wow, that it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like I I whatever it's not, like there's so many red flags here every single time it's the same bullshit like promising b- uh, the world and and then some to people and it's just Jesus <sighs> but yeah it and I love we also talk about when we talk about this stuff a lot of times we're like a lot of times these Ponzi schemes they don't start that way they start with intentions of building something great and doing something cool uh, the the one that I made a snide comment towards earlier, the the poker one that we found. I don't think those guys started to do a scam, but these guys did. Yeah, these motherfuckers. Yeah. they intended to the scam plan was always scamming. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not always that you can give people the benefit of the doubt. Screw them. All right, that's it. Enough about these assholes. All right, Adam, give us a little update on somebody named Plus Token. I, yeah, what's up with them? We actually talked about them a little while ago, and uh, I guess. Over the, this is another, you know, scam. And they apparently, they, they near, they had nearly $3 billion in, uh, coins that they were able to scam. And this is also a Ponzi. And, <laughs> Jeez, wait, 3 billion? I, wait, what? Yeah. So it says still plus token scam nearly 3 billion, uh, or sorry. Yeah. It says, yeah, Brent and I are thinking the same thing. What's Ethereum's market cap right now? Because <laughs> <laughs> Ethereum market cap's like seven billion. So we're like, yeah, they scammed like half of the value of the platform that they're in. <laughs> Seems high. So it Dude. says in the article that's when six people were arrested in China for scamming through plus tokens. So maybe the market cap might have not technically been, you know, three billion, but the through plus token value reportedly worth 2.9 billion. Interesting. And, so they must've been collecting the money in some way that wasn't Ethereum. And well, also the reason why this, this article came up, cause it wasn't necessarily about like the history of the scam. It was more, this is a uh, plus token is a top 10 holder of Ethereum. Uh, if, and there's like a little, oh, Jesus. yeah, there's a little, so the guys who scammed have, Wow. Yeah, and they had it up until a certain amount. If so, there's this little chart that uh, I guess I should post in the show notes at some point. Uh, that it's actually in the article, but yeah. So it's like top. I don't really know what wrapped ether is. That's number one. I don't know what that means exactly. But then, uh, go ahead. Wrapped ether is how you would trade on a decentralized exchange. Oh, okay. So if you're using something like Radio Relay or any of the zero uh, X protocols, you have to. In, in or you you have to basically have a token on Ethereum to trade your Ethereum. So it a wrapped ETH is a locked version of Ethereum that creates an an ERC twenty token. That because Ethereum itself is not ERC twenty. So the it creates the the tokenized version of the Ethereum so that it acts basically the same as okay. Ethereum. So basically, yeah, that that's number one. So that makes sense because it's just a bunch of combined exchanges, decentralized exchanges, and then two is like. Binance, then Bitfinex, then Kraken, like one of their accounts. And then, you know, you go to other, like most of them are exchanges. And then number nine is it just says scam plus token Ponzi, <laughs> 789,000 Ether with a million transactions. So people just slowly transferred into that account. Wow. Oh, I do remember this one. This was the one where like, we we talked about like the the like little old ladies like scamming each other like the the stores on the corner. God, it's hard to remember exactly, but it was like the, yeah, it was this one went real deep. This one it was mostly Chinese based. And it was like a bunch of like little tiny shop owners in China all convincing each other to buy more of this plus <laughs> token. Yeah, I mean, it's just it goes Honestly, we probably don't remember because there's just so many scams that pop up from week in, week out. So many damn scams, man. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it says I, I look. I just googled on like Bitcoin Magazine how the plus to- token scam absconded with over one percent of the Bitcoin supply. Hmm. So you know, yeah, 
there's just a lot of craziness out there. And this one, they're not even sure if the Chinese authorities are in possession of this Ethereum. That would be a really interesting scenario if China ended up controlling a top 10 Ethereum address. Oh, my God, the conspiracy theories and the the FUD. And you know what? We might just have to switch back to Ethereum Classic at that point. <laughs> just burn that one. You're like, all right, no, no. Ethereum Classic was the main one anyways. That's the one we always wanted. It, it, <laughs> it's possible that we didn't completely go into it as much as I thought. But it says 200K Bitcoin, 789K Ethereum, and 26 million EOS were all found in the Plus Token team control. Your God. Yeah, this one is like the big kahuna of scams, I think, for, for at least for the year. I feel like every week there's a new big kahuna of well, this, scams. This I, is, th- I mean, this, is, this happened in August. This is, this is $3 billion. This, this, I mean, this is EOS level scam. Uh, this is 3x the size of what BitConnect ever was. So All right. here we are, so, just another, another day in the, the scam streets of cryptocurrency. Oh, we're on the ones and twos. On the ones and twos. twos. Be careful, Brian. I don't want to see you short circuit again. I feel like beginning episode callback. You recovered. Yeah, if you made it this right. far, we're calling back with some ones and twos. And uh, we got any shots fired mailbag? No, nope. Charles Hoskinson is not going to actually do his shots fired, so that's that's <laughs> out. And uh, yep, he sh- maybe the- he should do go. You know, actual shots fired and Aaron Burr. You know, just do ten paces versus. Uh, Chico, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have the the Chico crypto Charles Hoskinson duel. <laughs> God, uh, God bless America, man. Presidents solving their problems with basing. Yeah, turning. He should instead. He should instead challenge him. Like I don't even know what their debate was, but he should instead challenge him to some kind of game show styled cryptocurrency and and cryptography knowledge thing. Where it's like, oh yeah, you think you know your shit? Let's do like cryptocurrency Jeopardy. And just go it, on there and beep, 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 beep. now that I would pay to see. It is, I mean, it is like I would pay a dollar or something. Like you wouldn't pay the to see the fight. I mean, I'm gonna pay to watch Charles Hodgkinson fight. There's there's no way I wouldn't pay for that. I just don't think it was should have been a thing. The level of like, is there an opposite word of what would be? Yeah, what's the antonym to agile? Because that's what I'm thinking. It was like just watching him try to fight would be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, and also like. You know, I'm not gonna not be happy to see him get punched in the face for boxing me out of that conversation a couple years a year ago. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I, still I want Cardano to lose, but like, I'm not gonna be sad to watch. He, he took it so personally. He took it so personally. You know, yeah, I I do sympathize with what Brent is talking about because, like, I I've noticed this. It does happen in um some some cultures, mostly like nerd cultures, where. Uh, I've actually witnessed some magic players like the pros. They'll actually just get really tightly like shoulder to shoulder in a circle so that like no randoms can kind of like break into the combo. <laughs> and it's just like it's just kind of a, a funny. I would uh, say it was more of a he didn't even realize Brent existed as he <laughs> yeah. got in front of him. And-, and it's hard not to realize I exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take up a lot of space and I have a lot of gravitational pull. Yeah, so. if we ever get Charles on the show, Brent's first question is going to be like, so, Charles, remember me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fair. All right. Well, I just want to remind everybody we're not financial advisors. We're kind of stupid, as you can tell, over the course of the episode. So don't listen to us. Don't take anything that we're saying as financial advice. This is clearly entertainment and we are here to entertain you and educate with what we can. So, uh, do your own research, follow us on Twitter, join our Discord, and help us out on Patreon. We love all of those things, and otherwise, keep it basic. See ya! See ya.